are still here, now I'd like to announce our first message brought to us by Mr. Mark McGarvey, entitled The Great I Am. Good afternoon. It's a beautiful day out there today. Okay. Better? All right. Sorry about that. This always happens, it seems like. I always have sound issues. Uh. Well, today I want to talk about, as you can see by my title, an aspect of the nature of God. We know God is eternal, everlasting, omnipotent, omnipresent. But I want to talk about a situation um, or something Jesus said. And this happened in the 8th chapter of John. Jesus was in the temple teaching in Jerusalem. And he once again gets into a discussion or a debate with the Jewish authorities about what he has taught and what he is teaching. Once again, they try to entrap him, try to get him to slip up. So if you will, uh, with, if you will turn to John chapter 8, and we'll look at verses 52 through 59. John 8, 52 through 59. Verse 52. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon, Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Before Abraham was, I am. This is the most prominent scripture in the Bible where Jesus announces his divinity. In, the one, in this one statement, he is telling the world of his eternal pre-existence. He is saying he is God himself. I am comes from the Hebrew translation, Y-H-W-H, or Yahweh, as we say today. Y-H-W-H can also convey meanings of the Eternal One, the One who always exists, or the One who was, is, and always will be. This claim that Jesus made and what he said was such a blasphemous statement, the Jews were outraged at what he said. They couldn't believe that one man could say this. The name was considered so holy they couldn't even say it, say the word. So they tried to stone him again. He managed to disappear into the crowd and ran away. 
and left the scene. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I am? What does it mean for us today as Christians? And what does it mean going forward looking to the kingdom of God? Let's refer back to the situation where this was said before, many thousands of years beforehand. Of course, you know that was involving Moses and the burning bush. So, Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Like I said, Moses is at the burning bush. God has given him the, his task, what he is to do, to free the Israelites. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. The New King James Study Bible says about verse 14, quote, The one who spoke to Moses declared himself to be the eternal one, uncaused and independent. Only the creator of all things can call himself the I am in the absolute sense, and all other creatures are in debt to him for their existence. End quote. So Jesus saying he was the I am of, of Exodus who spoke to Moses, he was saying he was the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. As you, as you can see in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with, the word was with God, and the Word was God. God the Father, Jesus Christ, his son. Yahweh chose to become Yeshua, the Aramaic translation for Jesus, which means Savior. Most of today's Christian denominations and secular societies don't understand how Jesus is, God, is the God of the Old Testament. They think that all happened in the Old Testament was God the Father, you know. He was a mean God, destroying people by the thousands, and look what he did to the Israelites. But Jesus was a nicer, compassionate figure. It couldn't be him. Another example of making Jesus into a, you know, a softer, gentler type. They say, God the Father created the universe and the world. Well, yes, he did through Jesus Christ. So, another aspect of this, in the book of John, there are seven instances where Jesus uses the I am and all are recorded in the book of John, and called the seven I am statements. As with the, the whole book of John, he is continuously relating Jesus' divinity, his power, and Christ, and Christ made these I am statements as a way of telling people at the time and letting us know now that he was and is God. So I'm just going to run through these seven statements real quick. Um, the first one is, I am the bread of life. 
That's in John 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus Christ sustains us. Spiritually, we will never hunger or go thirsty. He truly nourishes us. Second I am statement. I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As Satan is the prince of darkness, Jesus is the light of the world. If we follow him, we will never stumble. The third I am statement, I am the door of the sheep. John chapter, seven, uh, John chapter 10, verse 7. I am the door of the sheep. John 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, in ancient times, uh, shepherds guided their flocks into stone enclosures each night to protect them. Um, these structures had no door, so the shepherd would sit or lie in the opening to prevent predators from attacking. So Jesus is saying he is there as our protector, to protect us from the wiles of the devil. The fourth I am statement, I am the good shepherd. And that is in John 10, verse 11, and also uh, verses 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Skip down a few verses to verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Christ laid down his life for us. He gave us his life so that we may live. He didn't shirk his responsibility. He didn't run away when the time came for his arrest and crucifixion, and he won't run away from us. The fifth I am statement is, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, verse 25 Jesus, this is a situation where Lazarus had died, and Jesus and his disciples go to see what's happening in this situation. And in this instance, he's talking to Martha, the brother of Lazarus. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus has a power over life and death. In this instance, he raised Lazarus to life after being dead in the tomb for four days. As he says here, if we believe and follow him, we will never die. When Christ returns, many, many of his people will be resurrected to eternal life. The sixth I am statement is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's in John 14. Verse 6. 
John chapter 14, verse 6. This is when uh, Jesus is talking with Thomas here. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way or access to God the Father. His word is the truth, and he offers life to those who otherwise would be held back, stopped by sin. And the seventh and final I am statement is, I am the true vine, and that's uh, John chapter 15, verse 1, and also verse 5. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. As the New King James Study Bible says about this verse here, quote, by, by attaching ourselves to Christ, we enable his life to, to flow in and through us. Then we cannot help but bear fruit that will honor the Father. In this metaphor, he is the gardener, end quote. As Christ said here, without him we can do nothing. So, what else does this tell us about, about Jesus and the great I am. Our God is a mighty God. The mighty God who parted the Red Sea. The same mighty God who turned back time during Hezekiah's reign. He actually turned back. I don't know how he did that, what he did with the sun, the world on its axis, but he actually did that. We have a great God, the great I am. This is what it means for us today, though. Jesus Christ and the God of the Old Testament are one and the same, as I've shown you. Not only can we tell of his divine nature by what he said, but his awesome power he used to heal people, calm the seas, raise people from the dead. <clears throat> These were situations that had to happen to prove Jesus' divinity. No human has ever raised people from the dead. God's power was behind all of the miracles that Jesus performed. Often, he would pray to the Father for help, and the Father would make it happen. You see, Jesus had to show us that there was a higher power than himself, God the Father. His prayers to the Father give us an example of how to pray to the Father to come before him in humility and ask for help. And there's two instances here where before Jesus' arrest by the Jewish authorities, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and he's praying, and some of the things he said are just a beautiful passages in the Bible. Um, the first one I want to look at is John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work with which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And we skip down a few verses to verses 24 through 26. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is a beautiful moving passage. Jesus is praying to the Father in the garden shortly before his arrest. Longing to be with him again, but knowing that he came here to do a job, and he's going to see it through. Remember, this is the Father's only begotten Son, and he has to watch him now get arrested, uh, tried before the Roman authorities. And then he has to watch as his, his only begotten Son is beaten, scourged, whipped to pieces, and then crucified, one of the most awful ways to die in ancient times, to hang on a, a wooden stake for hours until you, you die of a asphyxiation, usually. But God the Father... And God the Son, who became Jesus, the great I Am, had planned this all out from the foundation of the world. That Jesus would sacrifice himself, take the burden of the world's sins on his shoulders, because he loves us. He wants us to have the chance to capture eternal life. Now, as with all these things, we have to consider the great deceiver that enemy of old, Satan the devil. He has always been trying to tell humankind since our creation there is no God, and he certainly didn't send his son to earth. When Jesus defeated Satan and death by dying on the cross and being resurrected three days later, the devil had to change his tactics in the sense that, okay, so he died for your sins, but there is no God, he doesn't exist. So we, had a, we have a world full of atheists, non-believers, or people who just don't care about God. By being involved with godless societies like what happened in Germany with the Nazis and, the, and over the last 60 years of communism, Satan was happy to, that millions of people did not have access to God. No way, no way of hearing of Jesus Christ, the great I Am. In these countries, and in the modern Islamic countries like uh, Iran, Syria, Saudi Arabia, if some people did find the light of Christianity, then they are and were persecuted for their belief. So the age-old battle between good and evil, darkness and light, God and Satan continues, but God is going to win. We can have absolute confidence in that. Jesus Christ will return. There will never truly be peace on earth before Christ returns. There are examples of that everywhere. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in Britain, and 
my parents are from the Republic of Ireland, and every summer, every other summer, we would drive over by car and ferry to the Republic of Ireland. But to get there, we had to go through Northern Ireland. And in the 80s and late 70s, there was a lot of uh, bombings, killings, shootings going on between the IRA and the, and the loyalists, the unionists. Um, it was scary times. And I remember many instances going through the border patrols between Northern Ireland and the Republic. And the British soldiers would be there with their fully automatic guns. And uh, the guy would come to the, the, door, the driver's side door. My dad would wind down the window. And there's a car full of the family. There's you know, five or six of us, seven of us in the car. And they'd usually just give it a glance over and let us go. Um, but it was scary seeing that. And the whole situation with Northern Ireland was, OK, so now there's peace on the surface. But there never truly will be peace because when I was over there, one of the last times I was over there 15, 16 years ago, um, watching the Protestant kids getting all five-year-olds, getting dressed up in the full Unionist garb like a military uniform, and then sending them out to, to go on this march, which is anti-Republicanism, it, it's drummed into them at an early age. So that five-year-old boy is now 20 and may still have the same thoughts. So as long as that's going on, there's never really truly going to be any love between the, those two factions. And it's the same the world over with the, the Jews and the, and the Muslims in the Middle East. It's, it's just never going to end as long as you know, we have this world that we're currently living in. Man, man cannot get along with each other. The great I am has a plan in place. The end result, the end result is for us to be part of the family of God. One day, the whole world will worship the Almighty God, keep the holy days, keep the Feast of Tabernacles every year. As we hear every year at the feast, the world will learn of God's ways. We will be kings and high priests, teachers who will convert the unknowing, and as spirit beings, we can tell them that they too are loved and are precious children of God. So my one final scripture here, let's see this come to fruition. In the Revelation, chapter 21, verses 5 through 7. Revelation 21, towards the end of the Bible. Verses 5 through 7. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I am. This is what we can look forward to, the glorious kingdom of God, and eternity after that, after the great white throne judgment. We will become part of the God family, and again, this was planned from the beginning. God the Father will be the Father of all, and Jesus Christ will be our older brother. 
This is the ultimate conclusion to our destiny. As the great I am welcomes us into the God family. This is the truth that is in the pages of our Bible. Right here, pages of the Bible. This is the truth, the word of God. It's going to happen. We can look forward to that day. We truly can. The day when we meet the great I am.